Holy Spirit. Some say the Holy Spirit, but I prefer to call Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I know I'm a little bit pedantic, but you don't say the Andrew. <laughs> Holy Spirit. The name of Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit. Not Casper the Ghost. Not, not a, a presence that we get to become powerful. Not something we loose on people. Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. So when we say he's a person, we're not saying that he has a physical body. But we're saying he has a personality. That he is real. That he is equally real as the Father and the Son. He's not, he's not just the Spirit of God. And I don't say that in a demeaning way. But Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. The misunderstood member of the Trinity. I was saying to a group of people before, I could get my head around Father God somewhat. I could put a shape to him in my mind. I could get my head around Jesus because he looks like me. Handsome. <laughs> Has a physical body, but Holy Spirit, where do I put Holy Spirit? What, what's Holy Spirit look like? How do I approach Holy Spirit? How do I pray? How do I communicate to Holy Spirit? And I don't know about you, but it's been a challenge in my life getting my head around Holy Spirit. And I know all of you are way beyond me and you don't have any challenges with Holy Spirit. But I'm just being honest and real. Is there anyone else that's honest and real here today? Yeah. Yeah. So about half of you, okay. <laughs> the rest, just have mercy on us. Probably my favorite scripture in all the Bible is 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. And it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our Heavenly Father and the fellowship, the companionship, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now, as I speak about Holy Spirit today, I want you to reach out and believe that as these words leave my mouth, that something is solidifying in your spirit of the understanding of who Holy Spirit is, and, and it is creating a deeper desire in your heart to fellowship with Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Yep. Amen. So here's the question. Do I see Holy Spirit as a divine person? Or do I see Holy Spirit as some influence that emanates from God, a power that God imparts? And I've got to be real with you. I've often seen Holy Spirit as a power that God imparts. So when I'm praying for people, I'm just conscious that there's power coming out. And a flow that's emanating from me to people. But do we see Holy Spirit as just a power that God imparts, an abstract power, or do we see him as a divine person? Do we see Holy Spirit as a power that I use in my weakness and in my ignorance, that somehow I've got to get hold of to use more of the Holy Spirit? 
I need this power. To, I need to use this power so I can get out of this cycle of weakness and ignorance. If I see Holy Spirit like that, as a power or an influence, then my mindset's going to be, how do I get more of the Holy Spirit? If I see him just as a power, something to use, something to get rid of my weakness and my inabilities, Holy Spirit becomes a power that I need to use to get something to progress. But if I see him as a divine person, the question is, isn't how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But the question is, how can Holy Spirit have more of me? Turns around. So I want to share with you a number of things about Holy Spirit. And then at the end, we're going to ask him to come afresh upon our lives. Anyone ready for that? Holy Spirit, number one, is not an influence that opens our minds to comprehend truth. But he is one that knows the truth. Did you hear the difference? Holy Spirit is not an influence that opens my mind to comprehend truth. But he is the one who knows all truth. I'm not using him to somehow supernaturally create a pathway so I understand truth, but I come to him as the one that knows all truth. Do you see the difference, anybody? 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that it's the Holy Spirit there's the only one that goes deep into the heart of God, into the profound, deep things of God and reveals it to us. Holy Spirit is the source of truth. I'm not praying to get some magical power, some supernatural power, so when I read the Bible, revelation flows, I'm coming to Holy Spirit as the one who is the source of truth. I'm entering into Him, and as I fellowship with Him, Truth flows. Number two, Holy Spirit is not a power that I get hold of and I use according to my will. But he's a person that wants to take possession of me and use me according to his will. There's a difference. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 says that the Holy Spirit distributes to us according to his will. To his will. What do you want to do, Holy Spirit? I'm not grabbing him and releasing him to do my agenda, but I want to partner with his agenda. He still thinks today that he is the boss of the church. Number three, Holy Spirit is the leader and the guide of every believer. Romans 8.14 says, For as many who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. He's a person that takes us by the hand and leads us. He's not come to give us power and strength so that we may go into our destiny. It's not so that he would, some sort of mis- mysterious power that would enable us to see where to go. But Holy Spirit is a person that comes and leads us personally into our destiny. Number four, Holy Spirit is represented as the one who has supreme authority in the church. Acts 13 verse 2, because as I preach these things and declare that, this is what Holy Spirit begins to do in your life. He's assuming leadership now. Amen? In your life. 
Number four, Holy Spirit is represented as the one who has supreme authority in the church. Acts 13 verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them to do. Holy Spirit has supreme authority in the church. So that means the decisions that we make, the plans that we take. We want to make sure that these are Holy Spirit plans and decisions because He is the leader of the church and He is the boss of your life. He is the leader of your family, of your marriage, of every relationship, of all your finance decisions. He is the boss, the Lord, the leader. And if we want fruitfulness in our life, we don't grab Him and say, my will be done. Come and bless what I want to do. We say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do? And right through the book of Acts, we see Paul and Barnabas and the great men and women throughout the Acts of the Apostles. They are being led and directed by the leader of the church on planet Earth. And his name is Holy Spirit. The third member of the Trinity who is worthy and equal and desires the same worship that the Father and the Son does. Number five, Holy Spirit is not a blind, impersonal influence or power. The Bible clearly says He's a person who comes to dwell in our hearts. He sees clearly every act that we perform, every thought that we think, every word that we speak. Ephesians 4 says that He can be deeply grieved. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an impersonal influence. And so as we wake up in the morning, we're not looking for some feeling. We're not, you know, I don't get out of bed till I get some goosebumps, Lord, and some shakes. And they're good to have. But His Holy Spirit is a person that wants to speak to you and live with you and walk with you. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit is called God. I know some people teach that He doesn't sort of you know, belong in the category of God like Jesus and the Father. But the Bible makes it very, very clear the Holy Spirit is God. Three in one. Equal partnership. Different in function, but equal in standing. Acts 5, 3 to 4. It's interesting that Peter says to Ananias, why is Satan... Filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Remember the story when Ananias lies to the Holy Spirit? At the end of that story, it says in verse 4, I believe, you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. So Peter makes it very clear that Holy Spirit is God. There are many, many illustrations I could give you right through Scripture that brings the standing of Holy Spirit on earth as equal in function and form as God the Father and God the Son. And think about this. If that's true, which it is, now think, Holy Spirit, equal with God the Father and the Son, lives in you. It's mind-boggling that you and I are the dwelling place, the temple of Holy Spirit, equal with God the Father and the Son, and He's come to invade your life. Not as some blob, some impersonal force, some magical feeling, some goosebumps, but the person of Holy Spirit, real, 
functional personality, God himself lives in you. Amazing. Each of the four distinctive divine attributes that are attributed to God are attributed to the Holy Spirit. He's eternal. Hebrews 9.14 tells us that, which is amazing. He's never, ever going to stop living inside you. He's eternal. So that means that there's never a day where he's going to croak it, die, fail to be. He will always live inside you. He's eternal in nature from the beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That's good to know. He's in your past, your present, and your future all at one time. He's got it all nailed. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows when you're going to die, when you're going to be born. He knows your past. He can go back generations into your past. He knows it all. He's eternal in nature and he lives inside you. That makes you eternal in nature. You're going to live forever because the one that lives forever is inside you. He's omnipresent. David says, where can I go from his spirit? I can go to hell. I can go up to heaven. You're everywhere. There's not a place, there's not a space that Holy Spirit doesn't fill. He's both in you and he fills the earth. So you can can move it down to Tasmania. You can live in New Zealand. What a wonderful country that is. You can move across to Pakistan. You can live... In Queensland, no matter where you go, Holy Spirit is with you. There's no bad neighbourhoods. There's no bad streets. There's no no place where the kingdom doesn't work. I've heard the lie, the kingdom works in Western countries, but not Africa, not the Philippines. Our God is an amazing, eternal, omnipresent God. He fills the earth. His nature is the same everywhere for every nation. And he's in you. So wherever you go, you're a success. Because Holy Spirit's there. Holy Spirit is also omniscient, which means he knows all things. I read to you 1 Corinthians 2, and it says the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. He says, call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things you don't know. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will show you things to come. So that means you have inside you the person of Holy Spirit, a real person, not just some influential blob, but a real person who knows everything about everything. He's a walking encyclopedia. He knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows how you're supposed to function. So that means he can correct that which doesn't belong. He's the fire that burns all the things that aren't real in your life. He's the only one that can reveal to you who you really are. Because he's seen the Father's plan for your life. He's come from the Father's side and he alone is the only one that can give you identity. Your father can't, your mother can't, the media can't, your friends can't. Only Holy Spirit knows who you are created to be. You will never discover your identity unless you know the Holy Spirit. He is the only one that can relay from the Father what he designed you to be. So if you don't know the Holy Spirit, if you don't talk to him, if you don't fellowship with him, I will be presumptuous enough to say you will never, ever, ever know who you are. You will be living a lie. Really? Yeah, really. No man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that's in him. Likewise, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God that's in him. 
In other words, identity is an issue of, of the spirit, not of the flesh. It's only discovered as I talk to God and he talks to me. I see what he's designed me to be. You don't create identity, you discover identity. You don't create yourself. You discover what God sees and you partner with him. Two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. So you're out of step with who you are because you're not listening to what God says who you are. And you wonder why things aren't working is because you're living somebody else's life. Maybe, just maybe, you're not that shy, retiring, unspiritual person that you've been sold a lie about. Why don't you ask God what he sees when he sees you? Why don't you say, Holy Spirit, tell me again what God sees when he sees me. Holy Spirit is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. That, these four characteristics belong to God only. He's all-powerful. So that means when the Holy Spirit comes inside you, that, it tells me that nothing then is impossible. The miracle working God that created the heavens and the earth with as the Holy Spirit brooded over the earth and God spoke that same power that brought Jesus into the earth. Mary was quickened and overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit is inside you to part the Red Sea, to do miracles, to do what you can't do in your own strength. We are so, myself, so conscious of our own limitations. If only you could see my limitations. We're all aware of how inadequate we are and how powerless we are in our own strength. But guess what? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and he brings the full power of the Godhead in you in bodily form. That's pretty amazing. The person of Holy Spirit. The moment you give your life to Jesus and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin because the Holy Spirit can only rest on the nature of Jesus. The righteous nature of Jesus, he comes and lives upon. The moment you get born again is an invitation for Holy Spirit to come. Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that was the day the church was born. Some people say Pentecost, but I don't believe it. I believe it was when Jesus breathed on the disciples and they were born again. Jesus had paid the price. Holy Spirit could come now and live inside them. What an amazing thought. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we read before, didn't we? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So grace is attached to Jesus. That's what he's known for. That's his function on the earth, is the one who procured and, 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 and gives out grace. It's his grace and the love of our Father. That's what our Father, God is love. That's the nature of God. You ask me what's God about? Our Father is a tender-hearted, loving God. And the Holy Spirit and the fellowship, the companionship, the deep intimacy of the Holy Spirit be with you. So when we think about Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is offering us a profound 24-7 relationship. Jesus said in John 
chapter 16. He's, and these are amazing words. He said, I tell you the truth. And he had to say that because we wouldn't believe him. Whenever you read that, it's because he's about to say something that's going to boggle your brain. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Are you ready for the truth? He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now that's enough just to, really? He's saying that to disciples. The Son of God, the Son of Man, who is living with the disciples. And he's looking at them and saying, you know what? You would be better off without me. Really? I can't imagine what went through their head. The miracle working Jesus, the one was filled with joy more than anyone else that walked the face of the earth. The one that was filled with the love and compassion of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. And he's saying to these ragbag disciples that their life's a mess. And here comes this wonderful Messiah that saves them and, 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 and believes in them and restores them. And now he's saying to these, this motley crew, you know what, you'd be better off without me. And this is not Jesus using reverse psychology or feeling sorry for himself. You know, we, we've had friends, you know, you'd be better off without me. And you agree with them and then they get upset. <laughs> Jesus said, it's to your advantage I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He said to them and he says to us, you are better off having the Holy Spirit in you than me walking beside you. That boggles my brain. You think about it. So if Jesus materialized here today and stood beside me, he'd look me in the eye and say, Andrew, do you know what? After you picked me up off the ground and stuck my tongue back in, stopped me from shaking, he says, you know what? I'm more beneficial to you being up there and sending the Spirit to live inside you than me being with you every step of the way for the rest of your life. We hear people saying, oh, I wish I lived in Jesus' day. Oh, it'd be so amazing. Oh, just to walk with Jesus. I would have asked him so many questions and we would have chatted for hours. And I say, well, maybe, maybe not. Because you get up in the morning sometimes and ignore Holy Spirit for the whole day and you go to bed. And he's just like Jesus. In fact, Jesus is now present in Holy Spirit. So the question is, if you had have lived with Jesus, would it have made any difference? Would you have walked with him, talked with him, asked him questions? The other problem is that you'd have to queue up behind Ben and Josh and Dean and all the greedy ones just to get a minute. You know, and, and behind 10 million people, you'd probably get one minute every 10 years. Now here's the truth. If Jesus was here today physically, we would be in an inferior position spiritually. Did you hear that? If Jesus was here today physically, we, the church, individually, would be in an inferior position spiritually. Peter walked with Jesus for how many years? Don't trick question. Three years? Yeah? And when Jesus went to heaven, 
Peter still had no idea what was going on. He hadn't clue. And nothing against Peter, because I, I would be the same. It made no real difference. John 16, 12 says, I've got so many more things to come say, to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. So in other words, Jesus was saying, when Holy Spirit comes, we will be able to sustain the word of revelation that comes with his voice. And that was the problem before Holy Spirit came. The disciples could not sustain the words of revelation that came from the voice of Jesus. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll come and live inside you, and you will be able to sustain every word of revelation. Paul the Apostle knew Jesus according to the Spirit. He said in Galatians 1, everything I've got I've not received from man, but I received from Jesus via the Holy Ghost. Peter wrote about Paul. He's saying, man, this dude's got some stuff that he's writing about Jesus that boggles my mind. I'm just paraphrasing this, but this is what he meant. He said, I, I, I walked with Jesus for three years, but this guy, he's at a whole different level. He's writing about things that I don't understand. It's messing with my mind. He's at a whole other level. Because Paul knew the Holy Spirit. He prayed in tongues more than anyone. He, he got into a realm of deep mysteries that were mind-boggling. There's a level of knowing Jesus through the Holy Spirit that's so much greater. That's why Jesus said to Thomas, you want to see me, you want to touch me. But Jesus said to Thomas, there's coming a generation that won't touch me physically, but they're going to be so blessed because they're going to engage me at the level of the Spirit that is so superior. God has revealed these things to us by His Spirit. Listen to this. I don't know if you've thought about this, but it just crossed my mind. This is why relationships in the church are so powerful or so painful. Because we don't know people according to the flesh. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that you can be in a relationship with people in church and it's either painful when they leave, things go wrong, or it's powerful. There's this, there's this deep connection because we're not knowing people according to the flesh, but we're engaging with people according to the spirit. And in the spirit realm, there's a whole dimension of understanding you can never get in the flesh. That's why, and I'm not demeaning the flesh. You know, there's pain in the flesh relationships. But by and large, there's not the same power relationally between me and my friend at the golf club as there is with me and the person sitting next to me in the congregation. Because we're engaging at a deep level of the spirit. And we wonder why there's contention in the body of Christ. It's because we're engaging spiritually as well as physically. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.16, we don't recognize anyone according to the flesh. We used to know Christ according to the flesh, but no longer. 
If any man now be in Christ, they're a new creation. When you get born again, the Spirit of God comes inside you and you have this ability to know each other and the Father, Son and Spirit at a whole different dimension. The physical has very little depth. It gets bored, so you buy a new car. The church is the bride of Christ having a long-distance relationship. It's not based on physical attraction. It's based on a spiritual attraction. First the spiritual, then the physical. And that's why the world gets relationships all back to front, because they enter into a physical relationship before a spiritual one. They sleep together, and then they think, we'll get that right, then we'll connect at a soul level and maybe the spirit. But in the kingdom, we engage at a spiritual level. That's why we don't see Jesus now. We'll see him in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But first, we've engaged spiritually, and that's what gives power to the physical, not the other way around. The fellowship of Holy Spirit. Paul was saying... Not only is it a 24-7 relationship, but there's this deep, close partnership that comes. Think about this. Paul, could, Paul knew Holy Spirit so well, he could speak on his behalf. You know when you're married? We, we laughed about this the other day, Karen and I. It's like we've been married for so long that we just think the same. One starts the sentence, one finishes. You know, if you've been married, you know that. And, and if you're a male, you start the sentence and the female finishes and expands and improves. We think that she knows what I want to wear. So Karen could go shopping. She knows what colour what color socks, what sort of shirts I like. She knows everything about me. But it's called partnership. And Paul, as I read in 1 Corinthians 7.25, he's talking about marriage and you know, virgins and, mar- and husbands if they die and wives that die, the whole relationship thing. And if you read the story, and I want to read it all today, but verse 25, 39 to 40, this is what he's saying. I haven't heard from Holy Spirit on this topic, this exact matter, but I believe that I speak on his behalf. I believe that my opinion's his opinion. I believe that I have the Spirit of God when I say it's probably better that you do this or that. Do you see that partnership? That they've been together for so long that he doesn't even have to hear his voice to know his heart. See, if you're not married to me, you can't speak on my behalf. If someone came to some random person and said, well, it's Andrew's birthday, which it was last week, and I want to buy him this amazing present. What colour new car would he like? And you'd say, yeah, well, you know, I've, I've seen him dress, he likes blue. Buy him a blue car, but you don't know me. You don't know my heart. You don't know that black's my favourite colour when it comes to cars. But if you ask my wife, she would know because we've been in partnership for so long, she doesn't need to hear my voice to know my heart. This is what Paul's inviting us into by the Spirit of God, this partnership where you and I get to know the Holy Spirit so well that we're in partnership like a husband and a wife and know his heart and know how he would act and how he wouldn't act and know how he would treat people or not treat people. Interesting, isn't it? 
And lastly, this, this is an invitation to 24-7 relationship. It's an invitation to partnership, but it's an invitation for deep intimacy. James 4, 5 says, The Spirit of God dwells in us and He yearns over our life. He's got this jealous desire for us. I'm going to say a few things about this briefly before I finish. I want you to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Because this is the one that could get me in trouble if you don't listen carefully. When you read Jesus' account of Holy Spirit, John 14 to 16, if you all read that, it's a wonderful passage where Jesus is telling us all about Holy Spirit. In fact, in those three chapters, Holy Spirit is mentioned, I believe, 19 times with the reference of He, Himself, all in this male pronoun. But if you study the Greek, what is really interesting is every pronoun used in this passage is gender neutral. It can refer to a girl or a boy. In fact, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that refers to Holy Spirit is often in the feminine form. Which, and the Hebrew pronoun is all about function. So it's talking about Holy Spirit, not saying that Holy Spirit is a she... But a lot of the traits of Holy Spirit are feminine in nature. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a girl or a boy. I'm saying the Holy Spirit is tender and has a lot of distinct natures, uh, nature that is feminine in its outworking. It's important to know. God wasn't created in our image. We were created in His. And when He created us, He created us male and female. And He said to Adam that you are to leave your father and mother and cling to your wife. But Adam didn't have a father and a mother. It's a problem, isn't it? He said, it's not good for you to be alone, Adam. So I'm going to give you a a wife, a woman, a babe. Jesus didn't want the church to be alone. So he gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to prepare the bride for the son. And so the more that you study who Holy Spirit is, he's not a he or a her. Holy Spirit is a divine personality. And as we study the scripture, we see so much of the tenderness of Holy Spirit in the Godhead. Holy Spirit is a warrior. But he's also one that woos and is tender. And so when we think about a man and a woman, and and I know that I'm generalizing here, so please hear what I'm saying. Predominantly men can be quite terse and strong with words. And then we can muck around. We go to the campfire and we, you know, go and bend your ugly coot. You know, gee, you're looking a bit rough today. You know, got a head like a 
like a twisted sand shoe. And he goes, oh, how you going, Andrew? You're amazing. You know, and we know we're buddies. And, but women aren't like that. They're tender. They're kind. They're almost human. <laughs> Much more than men. They're, they're beautiful. They're encouraging. They're nurturing. Mm. And so, so if you have an accident when you're a child, you don't run to your dad. So you go, oh, get over it, mate. Get up. It's only a scratch. You're not dying. You've still got blood in your body. But the mother's, oh, you poor baby. Put a Band-Aid on it. Come and sit down. Let me put a blanket over you. Let me put the TV on. What would you like? It's like and, and, really? You know that we're different. But, but why am I saying this? Because when it comes to Holy Spirit, I think the Bible's given us clues to how to relate to Holy Spirit. That, that's why Ephesians 4, which says don't grieve the Spirit, it talks about the way we communicate with each other, the way we communicate with Him. Holy Spirit, I'm not saying He's... Because some people say He's like a dove and you know, if you scare Him, He'll fly away. It's like, yeah. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is there's a tenderness and there's a warmth and a care that Holy Spirit requires for us to communicate with Him. And I think it's good for men to get married. My wife would agree with this because all the hard edges eventually begin to dissipate and we learn to communicate from our heart, not from somewhere else. That we realise that there's more to a woman than just sex and someone to cook dinner. But there's an invitation for heart connection, love and relationship. And why does God do this? Because he's trying to... He uses marriage to connect us into the, the Godhead itself, the, the beauty of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, engaging all of our hearts with Him. And Paul says, May the grace of Jesus and the love of Father and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Holy Spirit is not a blob. It's not some impersonal force. It's not something that we pray down Holy Spirit is a person with real characteristics and qualities that wants to be wooed and loved and wants to love us, wants to come and make his home in our heart, wants to empower us, wants to give us greater perspective, wants to walk with us every step of the day, wants to recreate Eden where we walk with God each and every day, wants us to be conscious. So we ask questions like when we wake up, Holy Spirit, how can I today be more conscious of your presence? What can I do today to focus my attention on you? I found that hard because sometimes I saw him as a, I'm just being real, as, as a force, as a presence, as something that I could grab and use to make me more effective in the kingdom. So when I was praying for people and releasing the Holy Spirit, it's like I'm just throwing something at them rather than taking the friendship that I have with Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what I have, who I have with you, my, my relationship with you, my, my desire for you, I release that to this person today. Yeah. Would you come and make yourself known to them as you are to me rather than just catch it? Wow. <laughs> and we've all seen that. Holy Spirit's not something you throw, and I'm not dismissing people that do that, but the concept behind it is Holy Spirit is a person. 
the third member of the Godhead to be loved and it's okay to worship the Holy Spirit. In fact, we should. He's God. I worship the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I thank Jesus for his grace. I worship him for his grace, his sacrifice. I worship the Father because in love he gave his Son. I worship the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, because he makes his home in me and he's become and he's becoming the closest person on planet Earth. Amen? Amen. So right now where you are, just lift your hands as we finish. And just between you and Holy Spirit, just ask Holy Spirit that this week his tender presence would fill you in the most unexpected times, in the most unexpected places. Say the Holy Spirit, you know, and this is what I've said, I'm sorry where I've, I've made you into something in my mind that you weren't, impersonal and something to be used for my benefit. But I welcome you today as the mighty God, the third person of the Godhead, my greatest friend, the powerful one that comes to make his home in my heart. And I, I come before you and I say, my body is your dwelling place. My body is your temple. Come and fill me with all that you are. Let us walk hand in hand in agreement. Speak to me, guide me, prompt me. Show me the areas where I grieve you, where I go to places that you don't want to be. Tenderize my heart again to fill you. Show me where to stop and to speak. Show me who to love that you want to love today. So we welcome you now, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would fill us with all that you are. Come afresh this day upon every heart. Breathe on your people now in Jesus' name. Just soak in like the rain that comes from heaven upon the dry ground. Just let him fill you. Just by faith say, Holy Spirit, I receive you into every part of my being. Come and fill me. Come and fill me. This is what makes following Jesus real. This is what saves you from burnout. This is what saves you from cynicism about the church and God is a real, live, functional relationship with Holy Spirit. This is where it starts and ends. So I release all the presence of Holy Spirit upon you this day. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, be filled, be filled.